0: This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read some stuff this week. I watched a movie this week. We are covering Amazon's The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. It's about why we have adopted cats into modern society. The little-known tale of Louis Wayne. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't know how cats were largely introduced to modern culture. You know, we were talking before the uh, before the show. I think this could be a little bit of an awards sleeper, at least on the technical side. So this is a this is a really fun one to get into today. Very British. It has all the
1: British stars. Bit of a bittersweet, tragic kind of thing. And then now here are some new artists recognizing him as somebody who people should know about. That, like you said, I didn't know about it.
0: nobody. Right, I had no idea. Yeah. So that was like my first question here was who. Knew better. <laughs> <laughs> who who said let's? Uh, we have to make this. Who's been shepherding the story? Who wrote this and who got mm-hmm. it made? Uh, so I, I'm. This is this is a. Uh, again, th- this is why people make movies about these kinds of things. Is well, no, but we don't know anything about it. You know, that's almost why. It's kind of they put all the energy into this movie of like wanting you to want it to be a Picasso movie, but they don't do that because Picasso's so overdone. This is one they plucked and probably did, number one, because of the cat's hook, but number two, because nobody's heard about him and it's been influential. There's going to be more stuff about him that have touched our culture that we don't even understand. Um, So Mm -hmm. right there is why they would do this. But then who knows better? That's a huge question here. It's like, who's, (laughs) who's actually smart enough to write the thing about it? And then who's smart enough to actually get it made?
1: Yeah. So we do have a bit of our American ignorance in this instance, because- if you're British or European, you might know him a little bit better because his work was more influential there. But also, I mean, peak in the early 1900s, so it's been a hundred years. It might not be that known, right? Right. Anyways, but definitely, he he was not as much in America. So that's strike number one against us. The person who did recognize this for what it was, Simon Stevenson is the credited writer, co-writer with the director. This was one of the hottest unproduced United Kingdom scripts in 2014. Mm-hmm. It was on their blacklist. Oh, and wow! Okay, it was under. I looked it up. It was under a different title. It was called "The Nine Lives of Louis Wayne," alluding to the cat oh,
0: okay.
1: fascination. This interesting. writer, interesting.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, the writer, it's similar to this artist, Louis Wayne, it's sort of hard to find his biography. How he came upon this. He has his finger in a bunch of different Hollywood novel writing, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I couldn't couldn't find specifically any interviews with him about Mm -hmm. this or him becoming interested in this, except to say that he's British and he probably knows something about it or or had gone to a gallery or something, because it's all about his novel writing. Benedict Cumberbatch's company was the one that bought the script about Louis Wayne and then got Will Sharp, the director, on board. So it was coming from his side of things that they said, oh yeah, this is one that people have been liking for six years. Let's make it
0: now. So the talent moved it. That's uh, that's that's very interesting. Um, that's that's often that's a huge way that the the industry has swung now is really who can you get talent behind it that gives you a, a lot of leverage to get financing. So mm-hmm. if Benedict Cumberbatch saying I want to do this and having his production company behind him, <laughs> well, yeah,
1: okay, <laughs> yeah, but a bit of a black hole as far as like Simon Stevenson. Just pulling this out of the ether and, and then it becoming a popular script. Yeah. It, it existed, <laughs> born from nothing, and then Benedict picked it up.
0: Fascinating.
1: One of the things that I saw very briefly on the production side of things, real cats, which they were saying were very difficult because, you, you know, the thing, it's like herding cats.
0: Classic so, total classic that <laughs> the cats <Yeah. laughs> would be disrupting the film set.
1: But I thought interesting because it's like we laughed at Cruella and these CGI Dalmatians. Why?
0: <laughs> oh, my God. You know? Uh, yeah.
1: So, just the fact uh, that this took that, that step and said it's worth so it.
0: Worth it. It's mm-hmm. so worth it. It's so worth it it's nobody wants to go look at a fake cat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna make me want to go touch my cat at home by showing me a fake cat you know, show me a cat i want to touch and then I'm, I'm oh man i love my cat you know what i mean mm-hmm. I, I i i don't understand it uh, otherwise than looking at it from a budgetary you know it's just oh, it's easier we want to do we <laughs> right. take as long I get okay yeah 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 it's an action swing okay but I, I don't I, that's a whole can of worms I'm not gonna die on that hill today Taylor uh, but I just yeah. wanted to let our audience know that it's real cats in here and it's not beautiful some... they're beautiful yeah uh, and, yeah and 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 well well done well placed well acted they dress them up they do it all it's great it's, it's <laughs> probably I swear to God it's got to be the biggest reason that this movie got done I mean you got Benedict Cumberbatch in like oh a cat movie absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. oh we can tell the story of like why the cat is in your house right now yeah <laughs> so uh, that why sort of, not? yeah,
1: that led me to looking at the history of cats. That's our show is the why of things. So before right. even this guy then starts, because he's an illustrator painter showing cats, not as Louis. evil cr- creatures. Yeah, Louis. So I started from the very beginning and cats have a mysterious history as well. It's hard to find the archeological record because wild and domesticated mm. cats have very similar skeletons. They didn't change much like wolves to dogs. We destroyed dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look at the dachshund, yeah.
0: Man happened to dogs, but otherwise cats are pretty intact. Yeah. So the
1: oldest one that was most recently discovered, I believe in the 80s, was on the island of Cyprus. There was a jawbone of a cat that they dated from 8,000 years ago, and it had to have been brought to the island by humans because they're not there. So, what a good boy! <laughs> but people don't think this is the first domesticated because it's unlikely that humans would have brought a spitting, scratching wild feline on a boat as company. <sighs> yes, it doesn't they seem did. Like, <laughs> like that's <laughs> the answer. So domestication probably occurred earlier than that. So they were able to find and, and figure twelve thousand years ago instead of eight thousand in the Middle East where agricultural societies are flourishing. So comparing mm-hmm. dogs, which would then have been very useful for hunting and protection, as humans are settling down, storing surplus crops, you need cats to go after mice. And therefore mm-hmm. it becomes mm-hmm. similar to dogs in this symbiotic relationship. But you Doctor don't
0: need bugs and spiders and yeah. stuff. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, just and and rampant pests that could bother the storehouses. Of course we know cats and Egypt that has become obvious, a, an obvious thing. Yeah, there was a cemetery that had 300,000 cat mummies that they found. Bury me there. How much is a plot? <laughs> yeah. And according to some of the records, in certain parts, killing a cat had the potential to have a death sentence. They were revered.
0: Uh, and I, this is so comforting. At least I know <laughs> things have been right for the cats at one point in history. <laughs> <laughs> and throughout, yeah, different parts of the world. I'm a cat guy. We have three cats, so I'm, I love cats. <laughs> this That's is why great. Evan this said, let's, awesome. let's do this. Let's talk let's about Let's do this. this. Yeah. It's my secret
1: yeah. <laughs> But this is all in the Middle East, so it wouldn't have affected you yet. Becoming a part of the Roman Empire going into Europe, they were using weasels mostly for the same effect. I would, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the downsides. <laughs> They're less pleasant around the house. And- they're not as enthusiastic of hunters of mice so yeah, a little
0: little more stinky <laughs> a little more lazy, lazy.
1: yeah
0: <laughs> i had ferrets i know oh yeah yeah <laughs> i didn't have them for
1: ever <laughs> right yeah cats uh, cats do the job better so that expands then into europe although they become demonized as the middle ages go on because they're affiliated with witches and the black cat associations and all of that stuff which it's ironic mm. because so many of these cats were killed off, which really helped spread the plague. So that was a horrible uh, no, faux pas there. What a
0: big mistake. Well, look how pro cat this is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we have an agenda to. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. About uh, black cats, there was an agenda against them, obviously. We recently passed with Halloween. It's like the worst time to be a black cat yeah. because people have so many, they don't even know why they have these prejudices. Cultural, history I know,
0: I know, understand. and yeah. and it's something that I don't even think about. When we adopted our, um, we had a, we had two cats, and one cat passed away unexpectedly for um, really rampant, horrible disease. And so we adopted a cat, and while we were adopting him, they said, "Please adopt one of the black ones here, one of one yeah. of its siblings, because they're harder to place, and you know everybody is going to go." If we were we were going for Siamese because we had just lost a Siamese. You know, he had several black siblings, and we, we yeah. hadn't even think about it because of where kind of our context and what we, you know, what cat we had had and what we knew. And so, but as soon as we said it, it was almost like, oh, okay, yeah. So we adopted a, a black cat basically on that premise is like, oh, yeah, black cats are just generally harder to place, they're not treated well. Mm-hmm. And here was like four of them while we were picking the, uh, you know, the lightly colored one. So it was like, oh, yeah, I had not even thought about it. So well, um, and even
1: there are certain I had seen adoption centers that will limit adopting black cats as it gets closer to Halloween, because people will just get them and then either abuse them or mistreat them or use them as props and then discard them. That's just an urban legend.
0: That's not actually true. But I I don't know. I don't want to I don't want to (laughs) know. Yeah.
1: So that led me to look at the black cat associations and cat associations around mm. the world, since we're talking about it was not welcomed in Europe and Britain and whatnot. Black cats were good luck as it related to working at sea. So bringing them aboard a ship to get mice and pestilence there was good luck. You would want a black cat if you were on a ship. And then it even extended to fishermen's wives would want them in their homes as a good omen for their husbands mm. that were out at sea. But the biggest one from, as we are saying, starting in the, in the Middle East 12,000 years ago, but in the traditions of Islam, cats are very much revered. One of Muhammad's companions, his name translated to father of the kitten. And oh, wow. <laughs> very much. They're admired for their ritual cleanliness, and they can enter
0: homes and even mosques, which which people then begs love, that people yeah. love cats, yeah, <laughs> in all cultures, <laughs> yeah, all across the world. There's a symbiotic relationship going on, and how much of it is a ploy from their side of you know how much of it is like emotion they like us, but then. we are also the source of things (laughs) but we like them because they're fuzzy and they are they can be affectionate and it's just nice to hold and look at them and pet them and so we get something out of it and we take care of the you know it's this it's a symbiotic relationship and people talk about how much are they (laughs) purposely using us (laughs) right right yeah
1: yeah, and, well and it's, it's about inter- how different
0: yeah. that relationship is compared to that of a dog. Just that we recently got a puppy and they could not be more just a striking difference. Between <laughs> <them>. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: always been the then prejudice that goes against cats is like, well they are about their own business or it's the the classic thing of the dog being like they feed me, they shelter me, they love me. They must be a god and the cat says they feed me they shelter me they love me i must be
0: a god <laughs> And I'm I'm sitting there going like i have nurtured dozens of your kind to you if you knew i should be a real wizard i am a wizard i am ancient in your context And yet I am worshiping you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it kind of made me think because
1: here comes this guy, Louis Wayne, and he did such an amazing amount of work in changing that stereotype and bringing them into the home Mm. um, illustrator is what he is. Drawings. More than 200 books filled with illustrations did he do in his lifetime. In the early 1900s, because he was not just doing books all over the place, posters, magazines, comics, everything. Over 600 pieces a year. And in terms of individual cats being drawn, the average is about 1,500 cats annually that he was drawing, (laughs) which is... You know, you must love cats, but why and how? (laughs) That was his thing. So he was the only boy, the eldest of six children. In 1860 was when he was born, and went to the West London School of Art at 17 years old. Bullied in school, not very good childhood. He taught for Mm -hmm. two years at the School of Art there, but he really didn't want to teach. He wanted to draw. His father died when he was 20, and so he had to look after his mother and his other sisters Hmm. in terms of the amount of responsibility for that time being the masculine figure of the household needing to work. And then also, none of his sisters ever married, which is crazy because that also helps lighten the load of creating income. They would have gone on to other families, but none of them the entire time that he was alive wow. so he ended up becoming a freelance artist and i believe this is where the movie kind of starts is him drawing scenery and animals and he's being tasked by this yes newspaper yes. magazine the illustrated sporting and dramatic news to draw this stuff
0: yeah they make it right apparent right off the bat the push and pull between his art and his passions and the needs of the family and the oddness of the family and i was thinking about it at the time because it are set in uh, we're set in you know early 1900s, and we're looking at a very unconventional family. Uh, so that yeah. was really, it was really interesting to see that on film. And and so the way that they film that, that house, the way that they have designed that house, the way they move through that house, uh, was really fascinating scene when they're just introducing the characters uh, and trying to establish the push and pull between what he needs to do with his life and the demands of the household. Mm hmm. This is where this governess
1: comes in, Emily, which is kind of like a, a nanny, teacher, everything all rolled into one that would live with families in the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that then? This is kind of the crux of the whole movie: is his love for her and the contentiousness between that because she, in real life, was ten years older than him, and also mm-hmm. she was the servant class, and they were they had enough to <laughs> have a governess.
0: And they're they're positing it that he's such a kind of a peculiar guy that it's more of like, well, this was in his reach, I suppose. <laughs> and, right, and more it's like he he's not going to go and seek this out. Uh, it just happened because she was there, and it and it was just mm-hmm. natural that way. Uh, and they they kind of uh they make that fairly obvious that he's like worried. He's like, I've never. I've never been interested. I've never been able to be interested. It's interesting. So he
1: falls head over heels. Contentious, like I said, no family from either side was at their wedding in 1884. They had this cat that stumbled into their lives that they named Peter and that he would sketch his antics and they would put human glasses on him and pretend he was reading a book and all of that stuff. But you can tell already, it's like the cat stuff was not something when he was two years old. And he's like, all I ever wanted to do was draw cats. That has not come about in his life. It wasn't like he had this obsession forever. He was drawing animals. He was drawing nature. Right. The first cat picture that got published was called Our Cats, A Domestic History, the same year they get married. And it's just cats in all different moods, but there's nothing anthropomorphized. That takes two more years before there's a drawing that's published in that style.
0: Mm. Though
1: even at that point, they're not clothed and there's not human-like expressions. Right. But within the three years of 1884 to 87, this is when his wife uh, gets sick and has cancer and Mm. dies the week after this big 150 cats that, that you know that wow. he drew so they were only married for 3 years and this is kind of the the summation of the whole film is like this is cats becoming his thing because it brought her joy and it was right the thing that that brought them together but i wanted to pinpoint that as far as the artist journey for him because it wasn't like he was always just a cat guy and that was right. his jam it's kind of like something Triggered it connected, him. With it symbolized
0: this. Yeah. something. It, you know, it was a metaphor in his own mind. It was head cannon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Peter, this little cat, would live almost for another decade after Emily passed. Mm-hmm. So that also certainly affected him. But then yeah. he goes full bore on cats. And then that's like we're talking about the thousand and a half cats a year that he's drawing. This is all he draws from here on out for the most part. And also becoming an advocate for cats. He was the president of the National Cat Club, which was trying to wipe out this mistreatment and anti-vivisection society and the Society for the Protection of Cats. He was multiple clubs and groups and
0: He's, all over it. Oh, wow. He's really like doing the legwork for cats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> f- He's in, going and, out there shaking the hands, writing the policy. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. he And continuing to draw and illustrate and... He goes to fully humanizing cats in 1890, so three years after his wife passes. There's a, a picture. I'll post links to all this stuff so you can see kind of the progression. Cats' Christmas dance was they were in <laughs> evening dresses and on hind legs, and this is the Louis Wayne cat that is born. Yes. And at this point, he is 30 years old, to give some sense Louis Wayne, of cat time. lobbyist. <laughs> and cat <laughs> cat drawer, yeah. Because like we had said... <laughs> Victorian England, still at this point, is keen on dogs because of the loyalty and trust, and cats are associated with witches and spinsters and all of that. And mm. it becomes a bit of the chicken or egg thing where cats historically are creeping into family photos and being written about in memoirs, but also for what's going on, the industrialization is bringing rats into the city and cats mm-hmm. are needed. And all of right. that is is a confluence right at his time of art Absolutely exploding, and him becoming such a well-known illustrator—magazines, newspapers, books, advertisements, yeah. postcards—he's blowing up in this time, right at the early 1900s in England.
0: And the movie does a good job of like bringing in the uh, the the William Ingram character, uh-huh. the Sir William Ingram character, the publisher that hires him at the beginning of the film is yeah. kind of being the guy that actually kind of like decides to put cats where maybe cats wouldn't typically be put because he's, because uh, Louis has been drawing them so much. He's convinced them he's drawn them with (laughs) such passion and elegance that he's, that he's convinced Sir William that like, there's something to these creatures and that, And maybe it would be interesting for the audience to see it. I mean, I, just, I thought that was a key moment of the movie. True, actually, to to bring out the publisher is actually convinced just over time, over volume and quantity. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, you know, why not? Let's let's throw <laughs> one in. <laughs> yeah. So and it
1: and it blows up and and the tide is shifting and people are seeing cats because he is able to do this lovely anthropomorphization of how they look and putting them in human situations. And I had seen in a rare text interview of his process, he said he sometimes would take a sketchbook to a restaurant or a public place and draw people in different positions as cats and getting as close to the human characteristics as possible. Yes. So it was that way first
0: versus- He I'm would try love those cats. like Etsy Photoshop like replacement where people get order their, they're like, yeah. on <laughs> make like it look like a general oil painted general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He would but love that. Yeah. The human expression.
1: <laughs> it was like, no, definitely all that stuff. He is uh, the instigator of all of that. He gets back together with his family because his wife has passed. But at this point, his younger sister, Marie is suffering from delusions and she gets put into a mental institution. Mm. We're talking about the compounding sense of, Grief and loss and tragedy and things outside of his control. And you'd think that with these hundreds of drawings a year, things would be okay fiscally. But he was not a financial success, as mentioned, because he had to support this massive family. But also because he just didn't have the business sense sell the Mm -hmm. stuff and didn't know to retain the rights. And as far Uh, as I could tell...
0: He wasn't business savvy... He just mm-hmm. let it all go. No, no. Yeah. And I Nobody had was even. there to coach him. There wasn't anybody to, he didn't yeah. have a lawyer. He didn't have a lawyer friend. No. Most people don't. Most people yeah. don't have a lawyer friend. But I had
1: even seen in the beginning of the movie, I just watched a snippet, but it's like the first person that says hi to him on the train. He's like, well, I'll do it for free when he asks for a drawing.
0: I know. Uh, I thought I, I, his, I, yeah. I, I had all of those connotations at the same. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. He's trying to, I mean, it's, it's
1: not like he's not industrious or he's just some lazy, tortured artist. He's finding other things. So Hearst newspapers in U, in the USA wanted him. And so he mm-hmm. moves to New York City and plans to be there for a few months because, oh, maybe it's getting popular across the pond. It did not mm. as much as it was in England. And then he lost all of the money that he had saved up because he had put in an investment in this scam thing, like a perpetual motion machine, but it was like an oil-free lamp that he had thought was going to be something. And so Mm -hmm. he returns home, and on the way back, while he's at sea, his mom passes away. Uh, Tragedy after tragedy. One of the things that I thought was interesting, since we talk about media adaptations, I'm like, he's an illustrator drawing an astronomical amount of cats. Why did he never do... Animation or try to go into film. True. true. Doesn't that seem like something? Right. That he would want to like see a cat move, <laughs> <laughs> and just I mean, God, you're producing so many of you them. See it it's, move you know,
0: like a person. Yeah. Like, I want to hear it talk like a person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, well, here's the downside. Then, so he worked with this famous uh, film studio maker H.F. Wood, and they worked on some animations. But one of his uh, compatriots was saying he struggled with. Which seems odd, but like the amount, you know, you have to do 16 drawings every second. But I think the level of detail and emotion that he puts into the singular picture right. is hard to then compound. It was just a different
0: medium for him. He couldn't adapt to doing it, you know, ba- maybe like badly. quickly, yeah. badly, yeah. morally.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All those things. So there were <laughs> a, a few shorts made, and this is a silent film era as well, but it did not get off the ground. And I can only find. Reference to them, the footage does not mm. exist anywhere online, to my, my the knowledge.
0: It's Louis Wayne
1: yeah. cat films. Yeah. So the interesting, maybe tragedy, is that Felix the Cat comes out two years later in 1919. Mm. And this is hundreds of films th- then taken over by Mickey Mouse and Disney in the sound picture oh. era. But like, imagine what it would have been if oh, Louis no. Wayne's character. He was character, right there. He was, was right there.
0: Right there cuz oh, Felix is not drawn is crazy. well at all <laughs> like to his yeah. to historically like put that in the context we know culturally we were ready to like embrace something like that and Louis Wayne was there. there they they had the material it was there That is fascinating that if it had just the wind had blown the other direction that, you know, (laughs) that we could, I mean, it does Mickey Mouse get the momentum to become, you know, Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Oh, my God. Think about what Disney Plus and with the Disney Corporation right now and just. Yeah,
1: it's interesting hmm. to spiral it back and be like he was there. Cats were popular. He was animating, but it just didn't stick. And then here comes Felix the cat, which is much simpler the tube drawing. We're talking style about 24 months. And and
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking within 24 months, the audience is captured. Right. Uh, and, you know, to do another one like that, you would just be ripping them off. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. We've been working on this for years. I love cats. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: with all this, as we're saying, to global situations. World War One is also a big factor in the availability of work. He's doing some military style drawings. You gotta go with what's happening. Yeah. But then also now we're aware because it's happened in our time, but a hundred years previous to us, the influenza pandemic is going around the world and mm-hmm. his eldest sister passes away in this time frame. This is also in 1921 when his last annual compendium comes out. And this is the the noticeable mental decline that he has. Mm. He becomes more paranoid that his sisters are trying to steal from him violence. He's roaming around at night and he's committed to an asylum, the pauper ward in 1924 and was diagnosed with schizophrenia. I think they sort of do this in the film Mm -hmm. where somebody finds him and says, oh my God, you got to get out of here in a way.
0: But the whole like uh, Mm -hmm. community like convalesces around him and they like start up a little basically like an early 1900s GoFundMe (laughs) to like get him set up to where he can be on his feet and create artwork and they kind of like take care of him and he's able to like make stuff again and like
1: (laughs) (laughs) it all seems to
0: like really turn around for him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that luckily... Is true to reality of, of what happened to him because this has been, you know, he's into his 70s, 60s, 70s now. And you think about artists or people that yeah. are creative or actors or anybody. It's like you have this window of popularity. What happened was there was a bookseller that was visiting the hospital because he was part of the committee that was help funding this hospital. And right, okay. I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but it's interesting that he said, Good Lord, man, you draw like Louis Wayne. And he said, I am Ugh. Louis Wayne. Like it wasn't like <laughs> the Jesus. nurses, like nobody cared. And this guy said, Oh my God, this is where he ended up. What happened to him? I, I you know, I. Get this at man these, a jacket. His, yeah, his his <laughs> uh, pictures as a kid. So H.G. Wells' petition, the prime minister got involved because he was such a cultural institution
0: and then was just forgotten. They um, found him. They just yeah. found him in in an institution. Yeah. That and, I mean, and think about that because most people just don't they just get forgotten and nobody knows and they're just like, Well, they just die there. That that could very easily happen to him. Yeah. Um, This is crazy that they actually like got involved and moved the levers and pushed the paper to get him like and, you know, yeah,
1: (laughs) because it makes me think a lot too about teachers
0: because it relates to young people. So
1: the prime minister had put out a statement saying Louis Wayne was on all our walls 15 to 20 years ago. Probably no artist has given a greater number of young people pleasure than he has. And you Mm -hmm. think about it in the context of, like, how many people go back to their fifth grade teacher and say, Thanks for all you like? Where are they now? It's like they, you know, you just don't follow up, Mm -hmm. especially if it influences you as a kid, which is a lot of what his work did. Right. But then everybody remembered and was like, Oh my God, how did this guy end up here? So they move him to Bethlehem Hospital, but it was better. So he had his own room and he was settled. And then they move him to a different hospital. They give him. Uh, Materials. There can be cats. He has visitors. He continues to make and sell art. The big thing about it is he starts this more kaleidoscopic imagery, and what we would say now is more like psychedelic. Dies there in 39 at 78 years old, and then was forgotten as Britain goes into the Second World War. Thinking about we had actually covered something beforehand, but since we're talking, all we're talking about is cats, the chronology of cats. T.S. Eliot's Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats comes out in uh. 30, in 39, the same year that he dies. Oh, wow. So you look at it, because when we talked about that with our Cats episode, it's like, oh, wow, he's talking about fun cats and whimsical cats and all the different types. And it's like- angelical cats. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. he would be able to have put that together had the public sentiment not gotten thousands and thousands of images in children's books across the decades wow. from Louis Wayne. Okay the last oh thing gosh. that i wanted to talk about that the that the movie definitely covers is his mental illness what is perceived for the time as schizophrenia because the the movie you had said before does a lot with the Oh, yes. It goes down the
0: psychedelic uh, path with his artwork and and attributes that into the aesthetics of the film. They have a couple master shots of either him and Emily or him by himself. Uh, The the movie is almost capped by these these master shots of them looking out over the, uh, you know, uh, an amazing landscape. Yeah, it's almost like imagine a Thomas in modern terms. It like a, a Thomas Kincaid, <laughs> to put it dry. high contrast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a Thomas Kincaid landscape, but then you realize that all the colors are subtly, slowly changing in a psychedelic mm. fashion, and then before you know it, the entire the, the entire color scheme of the image has changed, and yet nothing seems wrong. It's it's done in such a way that the effects that they have. Here really really something beautiful looks like you're looking at a painting but the painting is alive it's mm-hmm. really really stunning um and then there's a couple sequences towards the back end when he's really slipping away that they do go into his real like his psychedelic art um yeah and like there's like a whole like two minutes it felt like two minutes sequence of just like staring into like a psychedelic cat face kaleidoscope like 2001 Mm
1: -hmm. yeah 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 that's interesting
0: (laughs) um and i was i was there for it i was like this i thematically i am part of all of this Mm -hmm. i am reading you louis i'm on your level
1: (laughs) yeah that it made me want to look into then what, what what is true in the film versus real life what people had done research on in terms of his thoughts because it was put up for a long time as oh look at someone you know look at this sequence of images because he has just drawn a cat and then look at the term used is like mental decline of this guy mm-hmm, as he progresses mm-hmm. and then the picture you know it starts one way and then as things get quote unquote worse here comes this more crazy out there kind of thing this was the the sort of stages of change in style over time that whole thing is pretty much unsubstantiated now Um, Hmm. because it was through this one guy. So this guy, Walter McClay, who organized them into a series, he found these paintings in 1939 after he died in a junk shop. And he may have found more or less, and there are no dates on these things. So he was the one who organized them into the sequence that he wanted to give as like, oh, look at what's happening to him over the years. But none of that can Uh. be validated. And also- there is validation that he was still producing more conventional cat pictures and like the Thomas Kinkade landscapes like he didn't just Go from a cat. Like I just found on a, a series
0: that didn't work out.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, just, you just found a scrapped series or something that never got finished, and <laughs> or just random
1: ones over the years. Yeah, but then put them into this thing. So it, it is unfortunate that then if you look up and I found mm. websites of like and that shows it on Wikipedia. Like, look at the eight sequence or six sequence image from here to there. But if you dig deeper into the literature, that's not actually true.
0: At best, it's it's a stretch. Yeah, yeah, because
1: he was doing a lot all the time. He was in a mental institution, and he did have these paranoid and violent tendencies that that put him there, but it was yeah. not that. And then another, there's a great research paper that I didn't get to read all of, but there's at least the abstract on it of thinking about whether or not, because schizophrenia at the time was just the blanket term for you're going into an asylum. It wasn't right anything right. that people thought. And so now with our thinking about mental health this person says that it's the potential that he had Asperger's syndrome mm. and the various facets of that big case in point being there was no deterioration in skill over time if you did see him slipping away he was still totally <laughs> it was like good art you know what I mean it wasn't like right he didn't lose how he was doing things and then some of the other elements looking at his life history he was withdrawn in early life bullied in school he had an unusual tone of voice he really desired to preserve sameness. He was obsessional, naive in, in public dealings, like a lot of things that that make sense then with that diagnosis and syndrome.
0: This is reminding me of a, a documentary from 2014, which you might remember, Taylor, because they screened this at school. Oh. Uh, it's called Glim Campbell, I'll Be Me. It's about an old country star who was um, coming down with Alzheimer's and slowly, um, you know going backwards and he made the decision to record and go on tour while Mm -hmm. this was happening and they recorded the process and the film stands as a testament uh, to really see this happen to an individual over the course of two hours where you start the movie and you go like what he's going to be he's and then you know by the end of the movie he's gone basically in terms of like his personality and who he is and as a person but what is fascinating the big takeaway from the documentary is that his music skill is the last thing to leave him Mm -hmm. it's the absolute last thing and that music and melody and rhyme and rhythm actually brought him back even when he was well far gone towards the end of the end of the film the music can still bring him back so it was fascinating to see how a a music professional uh, going through this uh, that being the last, like, standing wall of their talent and, and professionalism, whatever there was there in the music, whatever they connected with, yeah. was there till the end.
1: That it's very much a way to reconcile with the overwhelming situation that you're you're not in control of with your mind. Yeah, definitely. I've I've seen that that I, music can facilitate that.
0: I, I, for anybody who knows a family member who's cognitively declining, I really, really suggest it. Um, I'll since, put a link to it, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a really, really worthwhile documentary. You don't need to know anything about Glenn Campbell and his music or his career if you're interested in just cognitive decline. And, um, you know, just as our parents and our grandparents are getting older, it's becoming more relevant for at least my, <laughs> my friends, yeah. me. So it, it, this is something not only speaks directly to what we're talking about with Louie. Uh, and and talking about artists' mental decline and, and trying to see that through their art and what is the you know what when somebody is on a cognitive decline what stays with them uh, this is this is just a fascinating watch mm-hmm. um, can't recommend it more
1: and with Louis like the like we're talking about where music sort of being the uh, the means to continue on his stuff is wildly psychedelic you'd think it was from the 1960s when it's from the 1930s.
0: It's awesome. It seems <laughs> it's really way good out stuff.
1: there, and s- things don't even look like cats at a certain point. But I-, I had seen in this person talking about the potential that he had Asperger's syndrome. There's a thing that I had just learned about recently called stimming, which is completing repetitive movements or noises. It helps cope with overwhelming situations or emotions brought on by the environment. And so potentially in him doing these sort of fractal effects, it's taking his mind away from the things that are going mm. on. With him. Mm-hmm. So perhaps as he progresses in life, that is the reason that he his pictures ebbing and flowing, continuing to veer in this direction mm. um, provided him that solace. The last yeah. thing in regards to, if you want to take the idea of schizophrenia, there is, I found, <laughs> I found a link to this bizarre, but potentially uh, there's a parasite called Toxoplasma gondii or Gandhi, mm. And it exists and is Forgive excreted us. through cat feces. Whoa, so what, this parasite, no. the yeah, the life cycle can no. only be completed in felines. And then if this parasite, because it doesn't affect the cat, transfers to humans, it, some of the symptoms are delusions, hallucinations, psychiatric disturbance. Um, whether or not it can, can trigger schizophrenia, there's ongoing research. but it's been, you know, done since 1953. I saw 19 studies and in 11, I don't know the exact numbers, but at least in this paper, they said the difference was statistically significant in a comparison of the effects of this parasite through cat stool. Yeah. So that's also a wild thought that that could have had some impact. I mean, I don't, you know, who knows? That really
0: connects with the cat stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's (laughs) like really grounded on something.
1: (laughs) But at least the literature is out there in the science and the studies and whether or not that is. A part of his situation or whether it's just, you know, who can know because it was a hundred years ago. Um, yeah, I think it, it was definitely just something that I didn't know anything at all about.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely, I, I mean, I gotta say looking at, cause we're getting down to the end, you know, we're coming into the close award season is going to pick up. I think this could really stand to 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 get some noms in our technicals here. I think the 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 aesthetics of this film are really, really interesting. The score is fantastic. The sets are fantastic. The costuming is fantastic. The makeup is fantastic. Um, So I I think that uh, uh, on on just like an arm's reach here, that 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 stuff is one reason to watch this movie is that it's very, very interesting visually. Uh, Mm -hmm. And not only is like we're just talking about all the psychedelic stuff, they use that they use the time period. That's another just with all of this production design, the design of this film top to bottom. Um, was was really a standout piece of it, so I wanted to commend it on 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 those realms. But yeah, I had no <laughs> no knowledge of Louis Wayne before this whatsoever. So this was fascinating. It's really cool that they um put this much money into somebody like you know the care a figure like this because this is this is pretty interesting stuff. And they brought it to life in a really uh a really kaleidoscopic kind of way. Yeah, what a um, what a so bizarre.
1: Uh- <laughs> Duality is Victorian England and sort of a yeah. psychedelic
0: aesthetic. Well, thank you, Taylor. Yep. Uh, thank you guys for listening along. Uh, we really appreciate it. Let us know what you're reading. Let us know what you're excited for coming out. Get in touch with us at Pod on Instagram. You never know when we're going to do an episode on that thing you've always been wanting to know about. Uh, also, if you want to know the name of my cats, just just <laughs> ask the question. We'll, we'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> Maybe even uh, we'll send a picture. Them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> anyway, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you so much.